Hi, my name is Esther, and today we'll be talking about Teresita Bassa, the woman who solved her own murder from beyond the grave. Keep listening to find out what the hell happened. Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened. I am here today with the spirited Mr. Lockwood. Surprise! (laughs) I'm spirited. We're here. We're here. We're here. I know that I posted that there would not be an episode this week. However, uh, there is something special about the dates and how this story fell into my lap. So... I am going to tough it out, and for those of you who didn't see my post, I had posted that we probably wouldn't have an episode today due to I had some oral surgery done a few days ago, and my mouth is pretty owie, but I'm... Owie? Yeah. Are you five? Yeah. (laughs) Do you ask to get the owie in your mouthie? I I do have an owie in my mouthie. I'm going to kick you in your teethies if you're not. You're going to give me an owie in my mouthie? <laughs> yeah. We're going to have matching owies in our mouthies. Um, so bear with me if I'm a little slow or I sound a little weird because I'm still not 100%. So I thought we had to do this story because of the way it worked well, out. Well, I have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. So how do you feel about being spirited, Mr. Lockwood? That means I'm dead, right? Um, mm. Like I'm talking from the... The spirited world. Wow. My, how you've looked into the future of our story here. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Or maybe I just correctly labeled you this time. I I do feel spirited today. I'm happy we get to record. I was a little bummed that we weren't going to. I was a little bummed that we canceled too, but. That's why I drug you down here, chained you to the microphone and force you to talk well you can't force me to talk normally it doesn't take much no it doesn't take goading it. to get <laughs> no. you to talk uh it takes goading to get me to shut up usually <laughs> so. so i'm here i i we're gonna do it it's gonna be good you guys are gonna like it we need like a cheering whistling clapping like sound effect right here yay no, that's like a throat clearing sound. Isn't <laughs> that clapping? It just sounds gross. Okay. <laughs> it sounds different in my head. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> do you do that in your head to yourself often? Well, it sounds kind of like that piece of concert we were just listening to. Oh, yeah. We were pumping ourselves up for this one, so we were listening yeah. to some... Some Queen. Some Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Don't Stop Me Now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Don't stop me now. That's right. You're like that. I am. Don't stop me now. Yeah, I'm having such a good time. <laughs> Can you hear it in my voice? <laughs> All right. Laying on the couch moaning, oh, my <laughs> face. <laughs> what a great time. <laughs> I've been having a ball. <laughs> oh, it hurts to laugh. This is going to be rough. Okay. Would you like to hear a story? Boy, would I. Okay. This is the story of a woman named Teresita Bassa. And today, on this very day, February 21st, marks the 45-year anniversary of her murder. Mm. So this is a picture of Teresita Bassa for you to gaze upon with your eyes. Is she Filipino? She is. Good guess. Hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about Teresita. 
Teresita Basa was a native of the Philippine Islands and moved to the United States sometime in the 1960s. She was very bright and received her master's degree in music from the University of Indiana, but ultimately ended up working as a respiratory therapist. She was employed at the Edgewater Hospital in Chicago, Illinois, on the north side. And I have a picture, a couple pictures of this Edgewater Hospital. So this is um, what the hospital looked like in the 60s. Mm. And I have some pictures of the inside now. When I show you these, I, I can't wait to see what you say because... It looks like an asylum. No. No? No. On lo- the outside it, it does. It looks like a five-star resort. Oh. Ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so this is like a greenhouse or like... Solarium. Yeah. It looks like it. It is. Yeah, so that is like the solarium in the hospital. Holy crap. Right. It doesn't seem like a bad place to be. I mean, there's nurses and doctors sitting around. Maybe that's their break room, but it has this huge glass domed roof on it. I I don't know. I mean, I would definitely. And this is like a general hospital or is this like a psychology place? No, she was a respiratory therapist huh. there. So regular hospital. Fancy. Yeah. There's like a rooftop shuffleboard apparently. What, uh, what happened to our hospital systems? Why aren't they still like this? It's not the 60s anymore. <laughs> People were drinking martinis during the day, during their breaks. I mean, if this is what happens when you do that, I mean, I got to say, maybe we've gone too far. We need to go back a few steps. I I think so, too. I think that if when I went to the hospital, somebody was like, here, sit down, kid, have a martini. That would be like (laughs) the best hospital visit of my life. There's only one non-smoking room and the whole rest of the place is smoking. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Very healthy. Very health consciously. Well, you need a respiratory uh, therapist for that. Well, yeah. Yeah. You want to keep smoking, don't you? Have this martini. (laughs) <laughs> You're about to stick a needle in your vein. And these camels, doctor recommended. <laughs> right. Did you ever see that ad before? <laughs> no. no. Oh, yeah. But I have, you know, I love old books. Yeah. And I. You've got the cigarette ads. I've got some old books yeah. that have full color, like thick cardboard cigarette ads right smack in the middle. So it's like a reminder to like take a book reading break and smoke your cigarette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you need a reminder to smoke mm-hmm. another cigarette. Right. And like you can't smoke while you're reading. Anyway, so that is the beautiful Edgewater Hospital in Chicago. That's pretty nice. Look yeah. in there in black and white anyway. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I had to throw a few pictures in. That's I the delivery it was, room? It, it looks like it because it's got a little bassinet over to one mm. side. So so anyway, Teresita was described as a quiet and unassuming woman, and she was well-liked by her peers. On February 21st, 1977, Teresita arrives home from work that evening and after settling in makes a phone call to a friend whom she speaks with for about 20 minutes. At about 8:40 p.m., a pair of neighbors that live down the hall from Teresita smell smoke. They contact the janitor who alerts the other residents and calls the fire department. Here's a picture of where Teresita lived. Mm. It's like a high-rise. Mm-hmm. The smoke was billowing from apartment 15B and was quickly filling the hallway as firefighters arrived. The janitor let them into the apartment 
and as they entered, they followed the smoke to the bedroom where they found the body of Teresita Bassa wrapped in a sheet and covered in clothes and a mattress. The mattress had been set on fire, apparently to cover up the evidence of oh, her wow, murder. Oh, wow, that's weird. Yeah. Teresita was laying on her back. She was naked, and in the center of her chest was a large butcher knife embedded up to the wooden handle. Ooh. I mean, was it just one thwack with the knife? It seems like it. It doesn't. Uh, I didn't read that she was like stabbed repeatedly. I think yeah, she was just that's one through the wild. chest. Seems like most of the murders we ever watch on TV, whenever it's a stabbing, it's like multiple a lot. Yeah, yeah, like a rage filled. Yeah, yeah. This was just. I, I think it was just one, and it said it was a large butcher knife. So. Well, they're all pretty large, aren't they? I mean, you only need to get stabbed once with a large well, butcher in the right knife. place. Right in the middle of the chest, I'd say that's a, a fair spot. And then, you know, um, covered up, naked, covered up with her clothes, covered up with a mattress, wrapped in a sheet. That's really odd, fire. too. Mm-hmm. Like, covering someone up with all that and then setting it on fire, it's like... Well, I think the idea was to burn her and all well, the I evidence. understand that. But yeah. But it, it didn't, didn't work. work. It didn't work. Uh, her apartment had been ransacked. And inside of her apartment, investigators found a note in her handwriting that said, get tickets for A.S. So just the initials A.S. Detective Stachula was assigned the lead on the case, but after exhausting all of the current leads he had, Teresita's case went cold. And there's a picture of Detective Stachula for you. That is a perfect law and order picture you know right he, like if yeah. he was going to be on law and order yeah that would be like right at the beginning when they're playing the music dong, dong, yes. and they're showing the pictures go by oh he does that's it that's the picture you'd put on that show if he was on the show it really is and he looks like he could be yeah on, he does in like the an older version yeah. of law and order mm-hmm. yeah the only one that's worth watching the old ones the first original right right in my opinion i agree So Teresita's case went cold, and it wasn't until the end of August that year when Detective Statula received a phone call from the Evanston Police, which was a suburb just north of Chicago's city limits. And how long was it after that? A year? It was just in August, and this happened in February to Teresita. so six months. It was, yeah, it was a few months. Um, Yeah. The Evanston police officer asked Detective Stachula if the name Alan Showery sounded at all familiar to him, saying that he worked at the Edgewater Hospital with Teresita Bassa. A.S. Yeah. You are connecting the dots. Oh, man. Stachula said no, that he didn't know anyone named Alan Showery, and the police officer told him that he needed to contact a doctor and his wife named Dr. Chua, and that they lived in the suburb and had an interesting story to share. Did this detective or whoever, like, give any background as to where this information came? I guess we'll get it later, right? I'm sure this guy will get it. He he just said that you need to talk to these people. Yeah. Like they called us and you need to hear what they yeah, asked. Yeah, it's just to fascinating say. like how 
interconnected some things are, especially like on cold cases that get broken. It's always like a weird some web. strange tangential whatever that comes out well, somehow some kind and of finds its way to the guy that's or the girl that's yeah. like trying to solve the case yeah and a lot of those cases cold cases get solved in the most weird and yeah, roundabout ways yeah. yeah it is interesting the long arm of the law yeah well just do wait Detective Stachula was a little confused and hesitant, but he and his partner showed up at Mr. and Mrs. Chua's home a few days later, both of whom were also natives of the Philippines. I was just going to say Chua sounds... Yeah. Correct, you would be. The Chua's seemed nervous and said that they had some information about Teresita's case. Dr. Chua then asked Detective Stachula if he believed in the occult or exorcism. Oh, yes. We're going there. <laughs> we're going to go there. <laughs> I don't know how we got there for murder, but we're going there. Uh, so hesitantly, the doctor begins to tell the investigators that five months after the murder of Teresita Bassa, that his wife suddenly got up out of a chair in their living room and with an odd look on her face, walked straight into the bedroom without saying a word. Dr. Chua followed her a few minutes after and found his wife laying on a bed in what appeared to be a trance. He asked her if she was okay, and she began to speak in a voice that was not her own. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's real. I love this. This is unbelievable. Have I ever told you something that wasn't real? No, never. Right. Then shut up and listen. No, I'm just, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm not even saying I don't believe it. I'm just saying that's like freaking amazing if this mm-hmm. actually happened. And I'm Now I'm like, I got the puzzle. Like, how am I going to figure out how this happened in terrestrial earth and not like in magic world? So this is what happens. We always get to a point in the story where you're all juiced up and you're just ready to go and yeah. like you're just primed. Oh, yeah. And then... I always let you down somehow. <laughs> it's never. And you're gonna let me down right now. It's never as good Aww. as it seems about halfway through, and I'm real sorry about that. One of these days, it's gonna be spectacular till the end. <laughs> Although I don't know, I feel like the Montauk stories were spectacular to the end. I think maybe that spoiled me. Like I need maybe. to be hit with something hard like that, you know, and just again, and just. The barrage. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. There's more Montauk. Yeah, to come. I need. I kind of need some of that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll get. Right I need some heavy that. lifting. <laughs> need some heavy <laughs> microwaves. Yeah. I need some heavy um, ampatrons. <laughs> you know what? I need some ampatron assault. I've been working real hard on my ampatron room. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mrs. Chua began speaking in a voice that wasn't her own. Additionally, she was speaking in the national language of the Philippines, which is called Tagalog. And tell me this woman doesn't know Tagalog. Exactly. Um, I don't know that that has anything to do with, but it did, um, everything I read made note that specifically she was not speaking The wife English. does not know Tagalog, is what I'm saying. She's been possessed and she's speaking Tagalog, but unpossessed she can't speak tagalog it doesn't make sense to me because she's from the philippines that's true right so i don't know that that is necessarily important in any kind of but that claim is being made 
I, no. No? No. Oh, I'm making the claim. You're, yeah. <laughs> You're just making shit up now. <laughs> that would be um, cool if that happened, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, if she wasn't from the Philippines, I would assume that that would be weirder. But she is from the Philippines, so. Yeah, okay. Uh, however, this was also strange because the voice also seemed to have a Spanish accent. His wife then muttered the words, I am Teresita Bassa. She told the doctor that she had been murdered by a man named Alan Showery and that he worked in the same hospital that she did. The voice also told him that Showery had come to her apartment because he was supposed to help her fix a broken TV. This conversation lasted for nearly half an hour, and when Mrs. Chua came out of the trance, she remembered nothing and said that she was very thirsty. <laughs> she remembered fuck all. Mm-hmm. Probably because she was talking for 30 minutes straight in some weird voice. In a language she doesn't know. With the Spanish accent. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. All right, I just made that language. I like that part. I think that should be added to the story just to make it better. That she didn't actually know Tagalog and she was speaking in Tagalog. I can't just make up parts And that of proves the story. that like the occult thing is real and there's spirits and all that. Trust me, I don't need to make anything up to make the story good. <laughs> it's already pretty wild, really. Obviously skeptical, Detective Stachula asked if the doctor and his wife had known Teresita. Both said no. They had not known the dead woman. After, however, more questioning, the two was admitted to being acquainted with Teresita and said that they both worked in the hospital's respiratory unit. Mrs. Chua also admitted to knowing Mr. Showery because he also worked as an orderly in the respiratory unit. But the, so they lied at first. But does the woman work there too? Who? The wife? Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but they lied about it well, first. yeah. And then the detective kind of grilled him a little further, and they finally admitted that, like, they were acquainted with her. But right. they didn't claim to, like, know her very well at right. all. Right. Completely normal. Yeah. I mean, everyone who gets questioned by the police, they always lie first. Sure. Even if it's something they absolutely had nothing to do with. Or don't have to lie about. <laughs> right. I know that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> you know as well as I do that we know people that lie about things. That, like, they don't even have to lie well, about Well, that's true. I would think most people, when the police question them and they have, like, you know, like, did you see that accident down the street? Yep, this is what I saw. It's not like, well, what accident? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And the cop's like, yeah, you know the accident right there? That one? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess I, I might have heard something. Yeah, you but know? I'm, you know, but it's like. I'm talking about people. I know. It's people I'm just who we know. Fun, yeah. You know, I think everybody knows that one person who where like you could say, hey, what'd you have for breakfast? And they could have had eggs, but they're going to tell you that they had pancakes. But there's like no there's like zero reason to lie about it. Who's that? I just I don't know. I don't think I know anyone like that. Do I? You do. <laughs> I do. I'll tell you later. No. The doctor continued to explain that he and his wife had discussed the bizarre incident and decided against reporting it because it sounded so far-fetched and they were afraid of being ridiculed. That was not, however, the only experience that Mrs. Chua had. 
Okay. What do you have to say? Well, I'm just thinking like, okay, the detective walks up. He asks. They lie. He gets it out of him. Oh, we're acquainted. Which means, yes, we know him, her. And he's like, of course I know that you know her. I already knew that. Why do you think I'm here, you idiots? Well, no, he's, you know? he didn't know anything about what he was yeah, going to Yeah, but someone from told him to go. I'm because sure of the Teresita Bossa case. Yeah. Correct. He's like, yeah. why do you think I'm here, dummies? Right. You know, like yeah. someone, <laughs> somehow I got your name from someone that said, you know this woman. And then their excuse is, well, you know, that story is pretty crazy. We didn't think anyone would believe us. So that's why we just said we didn't know her. Right. So we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit more. Okay. So he said that that, so that was not the only experience that Mrs. Chua had. A few days after the first encounter, she again had a bout of possession. And once again, Teresita pleaded with the doctor to tell the police. Dr. Chua told The Voice that he couldn't go to the police with no evidence because they wouldn't believe him, which I agree. Well, what was he supposed to tell him? The Voice then told him that Showery had stolen her jewelry and that it would be found in his home. She also identified a few specific pieces of her jewelry as proof. This was still not enough to convince the doctor to contact the police. It wasn't until the third visit from the deceased woman that the Chua's decided to contact Evanston police. <laughs> third time's a charm. Right? Detective Stachulo was amazed by the story that he had just heard. Nonetheless, he turns his report over to his commanding officer, after which they do arrest Showery and charge him with the murder of Teresita Bassa. There has to be more. They don't just take an arrest warrant. Like, you don't go to a judge and say, well... After the arrest, still somewhat skeptical detectives went to Showery's home and found a pile of jewelry later identified by Teresita's family as belonging to Teresita. The real kicker was that Showery's girlfriend was wearing a very specific ring that Teresita herself had described to Dr. Chua during his wife's second trance. And also, the note that they had found that said AS, how, you know, you yeah. had very cleverly figured out earlier, also AS would be Alan Showery. So apparently she had written down a note to get tickets for him. So obviously they knew each other. So what do you think of the, see, they found the jewelry. That's why he was arrested. So they just went over and they said, hey, you mind if we look around? And he said, yeah, sure. I guess. I don't know. There's not that much detail that I could I find mean, on it. I guess you go ask. You can ask. And he must have just said yes. Right. Because otherwise they would have had to get a warrant and no judge is going to be like, oh, yeah, psychic says yeah. this guy is the suspect. Possess All right. Possessed doctor's wife. Okay. We'll grant it. Go right. arrest him. So regardless of how the story goes, yeah. um, because, you know, there's a bunch of renditions that's happened so long ago. It's, it's been so repeated wild, so many times yeah. that I couldn't really get a straight line on yeah. how. But what I what I did read it was that he was arrested and they found jewelry in his house that was hers. So, yeah, I mean, well, it could have just been, you know, he's standing at the door and his girlfriend's there and the guys are asking him about her. And his girlfriend shows him she's got the ring on. Right. She Could was wearing that. the ring. So, yeah. yeah. 
So it wasn't long before the newspaper got a hold of this strange story. And before Alan Showery's trial, his attorney requested all of the police records and they were made public. The Chua story was now being discussed publicly. So you can only imagine all the headlines of this dead woman yeah. communicating. Uh, here's a couple of them. Ghost voice leads oh, yeah. killer to confess. How about that? And he confessed too, huh? Did a voice from the grave finger murder suspects? <laughs> that mu- there must be a part in there with the ring. Right. In order to put the word finger in the... Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the the media kind of went crazy with this because they were just like... Because there wasn't anything else to talk about. Well, I mean, it is bizarre story. <laughs> it is really bizarre, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Super weird. I mean, how often do you hear a story about a dead woman coming back to tell someone who... Hmm. Who murdered her, you know? So after the story appeared in the paper, there was a lot of doubt about the account with the spirit that the Chuas insisted was true. So much so that an official at the Edgewater Hospital told a reporter that the Chuas most certainly knew Teresita well and had even worked alongside her for over two years. Additionally, They also worked alongside Alan Showery. Well, that's what I was going to just kind of mention. I was like, well, what happened to the Chua's? Right. And how are they involved in this? Right. So the official from the hospital (laughs) also told the newspaper that Mrs. Chua had made it clear on many occasions that she did not like Mr. Showery and that the official had his own theory on the case. He believed that Mrs. Chua had acted as though she was Teresita in order to point a finger at Showery because she had already suspected him in Teresita's murder. He says that he thinks that she may have known something but was afraid to come right out and tell the police because she was afraid that Showery would find out and hurt her next. Or something darker. Where these two, they're involved with Alan, and they wanted to point the finger at him and get out of it. What do you mean they're involved? They, maybe him? they were involved in the murder, too. No? Not at all? Mm-mm. No way whatsoever? No. Well, then how would this person know this stuff? The occult? No. No. I know you were really hoping for some I actual was. occult action, yeah. but that is not what's going on here. No. No, I'm sorry. See what I mean? Am I boring you? Disappointment. Am I boring you? No. I told you I was going to disappoint you. No. (laughs) I'm trying not to be disappointed here. Try harder. You know, I'm just enjoying my, like, before the disappointment moment as much as I can. You're kind of, like, stealing my thunder. Sorry. Because you're, like, debunking the thing by the end. You're doing that right in front of us. Also, that official said that he suspects that Mrs. Chua came to this conclusion after Showery began giving other female employees pieces of jewelry that she knew belonged to the murdered woman. Well, that's not too tough, is it? No. The official also notes that after the murder, Mrs. Chua continued to work alongside of Showery for a few months. But on July 16, 1977, unusual things began to happen. 
Mrs. Chua becomes enraged with her supervisor. She had come into work with her husband, but the supervisor was confused because she never worked on Saturdays. Mrs. Chua started complaining about her job and exploded into an argument. Showery had been close by as this was happening, and Dr. Chua walked over to him and angrily proclaimed, I know you. I know a lot about you. After this incident, Mrs. Chua was fired, and upon her final return to the hospital to collect her things, she told the director of the respiratory unit that she was relieved because she was scared of the people that she worked with, and especially Alan Showery. The Chuas were well-respected, intelligent people, and it seemed totally bizarre and out of character for them to make up such a story when they could have just contacted the police and aired their suspicions anonymously. The publisher of the article, also being Filipino, as strange as their story seems, as a child, he often heard stories of spirits returning from the grave with messages. In the Philippines, there are many that believe this to be common. Not just the Philippines. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> I believe I'd say it's worldwide. True. Yes. I, and I did read something where it said that this other woman had had said that um, growing up in the Philippines, it was commonly believed that if you died, you could come back from the dead and communicate within three days of your death. Now, in Teresita's case, it was months beyond that. So I... Well, this is America. You can come back for hundreds of years. Oh, is that how it works right? here? On okay. TV, it does. That's, that's right. Yes. Only if you have the right equipment. <laughs> so alan showery's trial was declared a mistrial what he claimed that the case against him should be thrown out because the evidence against him quote came from the great beyond the great beyond beyond after the mistrial showery pled guilty and was sentenced to 14 years in prison he was released on parole in 1983. Okay, so what he basically just struck a deal. Yes. Is yeah. what happened. Yes. So they they filed for a mistrial he during got the it. trial. He got it, right. Probably didn't even get it, because but it was a lot, probably like Because a lot of the evidence was well, they, from a it, dead spirit. They probably didn't even get it, but it was probably like the DI the DA's like, I don't have time to fuck around with this. How about you just plead guilty? And we'll cut your sentence from life yeah. to 14 years. Because 14 years is not that long for murdering not somebody. Not really. Not in my opinion. Especially for murdering somebody for just stealing their stuff. And well, for any reason, if it's right. got murder, it so, should be a lot longer than 10 years or whatever. So um, now all of the things I read were a little bit different. So one of the things I read did say that he did kind of admit but he never fully admitted that he did it but he did admit to being there he did admit to going over and um because he had told her he would help her fix her tv and he did say ultimately that he left couldn't get the tv fixed so he left and he started walking back home to his house Uh, about halfway home he decided that he was going to rob her so he turned around and went back and that's when he knocked on the door she let him in 
and he ended up killing her and taking all her stuff and then trying to set her on fire. I just, I have such a hard time imagining, like, I'm walking away, I can't fix someone. And it's like, that could be me, like, could have been. You don't fix TVs anymore, but. Why didn't he just. Like, oh, I go help someone fix her computer. Like, I'm just imagining, like, 20-year-old me. And I'm like helping someone fix a computer, like an old lady or something. Right. You leave, you drive, ha- you drive done. halfway home. And then I, I'm like and halfway then, home then instead decide. of my normal daydreaming that I do, like thinking about something I'm working on or building or whatever. Right. I'm just like, I ought to rob that bitch. Right. I should kill her and rob her. And just take her jewelry. And then I just get back on the phone and like, hello, Mrs. Geezer. You know, I I know I couldn't fix your computer, but I had an idea. You know, would you mind if I came back and tried? This guy didn't even call. And he then, just turned well, around and went that's back. That's because it was freaking 1970 or whatever. But that would be now. This is like the modern version. And then I'll just like drive back and like, hello, Mrs. Geezer. And then. Right. Like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't for understand some jewelry. that mindset. I just for don't, some jewelry. How does that pop into your head? Like, you know it would be a really good idea right now? If I killed that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta be a little crazy to think stuff like that. I don't know. Crazy yeah. or evil or mean or... I don't know. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. And I think it sucks that it seems... It seems like... Had there not been this whole spirit talking through Mrs. Chua's situation, if they could have just built their case a little more strongly, this guy would have been in jail well, for a lot longer. I think it's if you. It doesn't matter how you arrive at the suspect's house. I don't think it really does. If if as long as you're not violating their rights, like if you knock on the door and you're like, "Hey, we." You know what's going on, and you just talk to them, and then you see evidence. That's enough. That's probable cause. Right. Now, if they like literally did get a search warrant and went over there and arrested him, then I would agree with that being that's like what do they call that fruit of the poisonous tree or whatever. Like if you get a warrant and arrest someone, you have to have like probable real evidence. cause. Right. You can't just have made up shit. Right. Right. Which this could definitely be argued to right. be. Well, the dead woman told us that you did it. And that's why yeah. they're knocking on your door. Well, obviously, this woman, Mrs. Chua, clearly had quite the strong intuition about this guy, mm-hmm. did not like him because mm-hmm. of that, which I can't imagine having to work with someone that you, like, really strongly suspect killed someone. Right. And, and you even, and, like, saw some evidence that that may be true. Well, yeah, because he you was know? handing out her jewelry yeah. to other women on the ward. and yeah. And... If that were me, I would be concerned for myself because if he could just kill her, oh, if, more he, than that. if he knows that I suspect, I mean, you know, you might be next. Yeah, like if I, like you worked somewhere and I and you were telling me about somebody and you were like, there just seems like not only did this guy, I think, actually kill this person, but I saw him with her rings or her earrings or something. And I saw her with and those on like, last the week what? before. You're not going there anymore. You've, right. you've quit your job. You quit now. You're not going there anymore. Also, call you know? the police anonymously and tell them. That kind of brings us into theories. Yeah. Okay. I, this theory section is not big. I have a theory. Okay. Well, m- my theory section I is... I have a feeling you probably have my theory. It's not big and you will be disappointed just to preface this. 
could the Chuas have known more than they let on and concocted the story, giving only the most important details so that there was enough true evidence to arrest Showery? But if so, why not just call in anonymously and be done with it? Why the supernatural story? Mm, yeah. It seems like a really silly way to give the police information. That is the question. Why did what? they do it that way? Right. Yeah. So it's such a bizarre way to go about it that to me it almost seems like it makes their story more believable because who's gonna dream something like that up you mean if you believe in that hogwash yes it makes it much more believable i think so yes if you're superstitious right right well so it was a form of persuasion is what it was yeah so let me give you a little bit of additional which is what my theory is yeah let me give you a little bit of additional information so the police never believed that the couple had anything to do with it to do with Teresita's murder and the Chuas have been relentlessly hounded by reporters they had to move they changed their phone numbers and they had to quit multiple jobs Um, one of Mrs. Chua's last public statements was quote it's been traumatic for me and my husband so they actually went through a lot because of this. So it doesn't seem like they were interested in any kind of publicity. They went into hiding after this, pretty much. And they want nothing more to do with it. So that makes making up this crazy story and telling the police even more bizarre Yeah. to me. That's also kind of strange. I think, you know what, I think, I think the Chua's might be a little odd. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Because, like, even if I believed that that was a real thing, whether I made it up or not, and I that really happened, and, mm-hmm. you know, I would just go, yeah, we just, we couldn't think of a way. We knew this guy did it. We couldn't think of a way to get the police listen to us, so we made it up. Sue me. We, and made, then, we made up a super fantastical yeah. story, but the end result is that they did yeah. find evidence you know that the, the guy, guy did it. The guy went to jail. He did it. Right. So what do you want from me, Mr. Reporter? Like, that's it. End of story. And then you could say that, even if you don't believe it. And then they would just leave you alone and it wouldn't matter anymore. It's just such a roundabout way to go. Again, they could have called the police because you can call in and you don't have to give them your name. you can give tips and 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 give them a tip. You know, she could have just called and said, hey, I am someone who works closely with Alan Showery and he had Teresita's jewelry. I saw him with it in the days, weeks, months after her murder. You need to check into him. Have a nice day. Well, it could have been, you know, it's work related. I'm not real familiar with Philippine Filipino culture in general, but sure. but it's pretty common for workplace related things. The husband, I could be like, he's a doctor. He doesn't want to make waves. He just wants to drop it. Sure. He doesn't want to be involved at work. He doesn't want... It's not about like reputation or anything. It's just about he wants to stay employed. He's probably really afraid yes. of losing his job. But... Because in a lot of places, including America, when you get even involved in stuff like this at work and you cause problems, even though it's absolutely the right thing to do, you get the black mark on you. That happens. Mr. Lachlan. Right? 
calling in an anonymous tip. I understand will that. Will not get you fired from your job, nor will anybody know. I'm not know. saying this is a rational fear. I'm saying this is an irrational fear that a lot of people have. So because of that, she's probably pushing like, we should tell them. You know, we need to, We know, you know it. You know it, that he did that. And we need to tell someone. Right. He's like, no, just stay out of it. I don't have anything to do with it. So... He kept saying, no, no, no. And she kept going, yeah, we need to. And then finally she just was like, you know what? I know how to fucking get this out. I know how to make this guy listen to me. So you think she faked it to her husband. And then her husband was finally like, we got to tell the police. She's like, I can make your life hard. Or (laughs) you can do the right thing. And it might make your life a little harder. But I'll be, we'll get along. I have other questions now, like, is this what you really think women do to men to, like, you think that... No, not women, just some women. You just think we manipulate you into thinking crazy, crazy shit? Uh, I think if I started becoming super unreasonable and stubborn, you would. I mean, this is pretty far-fetched, though. It is, but that is my theory. Okay. I mean, I didn't think of that. But I do think that it's probably possible. There there probably are people that would manipulate other people into getting to point B mm-hmm. down the weirdest road possible. There are certainly manipulative, crazy people in okay. this world. I do agree with that. I still think it was a really, really odd way so to go. So you're going to take like two out of the three turds that you put on my theory off and leave one? Hmm. You get one and a half turds. One for and this a half turds. Theory. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. I'll, I'll accept that. Okay. Gr- so. Begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah. I. I don't know. I. I don't know that I even really have a theory for this one. I just think that it's. I think that she knew, because Clearly she saw she him knew. with the jewelry, yeah. and whether she just made up this stuff or her and her husband concocted this because they thought it would get them out of something. Yeah. I I don't know. I have I really have no good clear thought well, on like, that. Well, and like if she, maybe she's the one that called the police and told them the story, you know, and then they come mm-hmm. questioning, and he's like, oh, I mean, that's why they're like, oh, we don't even know her. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right. He still wants to stay out of it. I don't know. That's just that's yeah. that's a feeling I get. I, the information that she gave in her trances, well, most of it was from the newspaper article. And the rest was from, she freaking knew the lady. She knew the lady. Yeah. She knew Alan. Yeah. She knew everybody. Yeah. She saw Alan with jewelry. Worked I'm with sure. them probably for years. Yeah. Like daily basis. Saw them. Mm-hmm. Knows them. Yeah. But then I like that they turned around and kind of lied about knowing either of them at the beginning <clears throat> too. So that was. Well, that's what I, I think that's where this, the dynamic between the husband and wife He's not, one of them is really not wanting to be involved. And the other one is like, got a conscience. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And that's how it came out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. With the pressure from each of them fighting each other. Right. You know, there's odd sayings and weird roundabout ways. Of handling stuff. Yeah. Like turn something into gossip if you want to tell your best friend that they're a big dick. (laughs) <laughs> like you tell your other buddy some story about them and then they sort of like, you know, ask them surreptitiously. I don't know. Okay. You know what I mean? Just yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I got it. All right. So our second and final theory. You ready? Yeah. 
could the Chua's have <laughs> actually had the experiences that they claim to have had? It's real. It's real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. There's no way of getting around that. I mean, a man went to prison with no. evidence. No, no, no. Could the That's che- what I'm saying. It's real. She did. She was possessed yeah. by Teresita? How else could oh. have she known all that? I mean. I mean and she- gotten the guy in jail. Uh, she could have just seen him at work with Teresita's jewelry and put one and two together. She doesn't know either of them. According to her first statement. <laughs> According to everything except for her employment records, she does not know these people. I like that you're trying to play along with this theory. <laughs> Good Are, press, though. Yeah. I, I imagine freaking newspaper I mean, they, newspaper ultimately, articles. they ultimately ended up fired over it. So, but Ah, so the husband wasn't wrong. Well, that's only because the wife went in and like threw a fit. Oh. Yeah. So he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe that's the moral of this story. Mr. Chua According to wasn't my theory. wrong. Right. Now, do you think all the articles were these like one columners? Like just filler that they put in. You know how they have the one columner little thing? In new- oh, no. no. That was a full one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I would say they got some mileage out of this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was also a segment on Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh. Um, and there have been a couple books written about it. So They it, really got some mileage out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it was really odd how this one happened. I was digging through my little Fate magazine collection, and on the front cover it said something about a uh, woman solving her own murder as a ghost. So I opened it up and I read it. And then I did some research online and found the Unsolved Mysteries thing. But when I read the date, February 21st, and then realized that this episode would air on February yeah. 21st, I was like, well, I have to do it. And what so, was her name again? Teresita Bassa. Teresita Bassa, rest in peace. Yes. I don't care how you got it. You got justice. Good you for did. you. You you got it from beyond there the grave. There are many, many, many people that don't get justice. That's and they right. should. That is right. So I hope everybody liked that one. I, I'm sorry you're probably disappointed. No, I'm not, actually. Okay. I kind of like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. And, you know, 45 years ago to the day this happened to Sad. poor Teresita. Yeah, not a – ugh, what an awful way to go. Yeah. Um, But for a little palate cleanser and a little bit of bonus just for fun here – here are some pictures of the now abandoned Edgewater Hospital. Ooh. So I would have to say <laughs> that this would have been a very nice place. Um, so here is uh, part of the abandoned building, and it is, oh, so 60s. Ugh, got leaky roof. Yeah, but it's got this, like, fabulous aqua tile and uh, with little black and white tiles all through it. It's a little leaky. Here's another part of the building. Mm. Yeah, it's got like, some graffiti in it. And I actually think that it is gone now. I think these are pictures from when it was abandoned. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a swimming pool, which I'm assuming is a <sighs> therapy pool. Um, you could have easily turned that place into a hotel. Yeah, it had a little chapel. I'm sure like if somebody was you know, terminally ill. I'm not sure what this is. <clears throat> that's a hyperbaric chamber. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that it might be something and that's like, like that. That's an ins- that's a big one. It's insane, That's right? like a walk-in. Yeah. 
you know, normally they have like the iron lung where you're in yeah. it and you lay down, you know, and you're yeah, inside. Yeah. This is like walk in and have a seat. <laughs> yeah, Light up your cigarette and read like a, a sauna. magazine. You just got a towel just, wrapped around there. They close the door and Yeah. You watch a little Let TV the air out or there. let the air in, I guess. Yeah, so um <clears throat> I just thought that it would be kind of fun to show you those. And I'll... actually that's the portal. Nice. It is. So, yeah. Where the aliens come through. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the door to the Ampatron room. No, it is the door to the Ampatron room. <laughs> you know, I didn't picture it round. Anyway, I I personally, as I was looking through these pictures, was like, man, this Edgewater Hospital was actually like one of the coolest parts of the story. Yeah. So I'm well, all that's because you're insane for the '60s. Yeah, I love. I love old stuff. So um, if I have room on Facebook, it'll only let me post so many pictures. I will post some of these abandoned ones at the end for you guys to check out or just look them up yourself. I mean, I think we know what the hell happened. I think it's pretty safe to say. It was all a lie. It was real. (laughs) We've switched places. (laughs) It's bizarre. Apparently today you think it's real. <laughs> I think it's a lie. <laughs> How do you say it was real in Tagalog? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I should have looked up yeah. the, the language to yeah. hear it. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that after. It's weird. Well, do you want to say goodbye? We'll see you next time. Yeah, promise I won't cancel. <laughs> you didn't cancel. I know. I wouldn't let you. I got to go spit some teeth out in the sink. <laughs> Bye. Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.